Welcome to the University of Brighton podcast. I'm Edwin Gilson, and my guest this week is humanities graduate, soon-to-be MA student, and artist Leila Andrews, and there is a lot to discuss. Leila talks about her studies and dissertation at the university, her work with wildlife charities in a refugee aid organisation, receiving a personal letter of encouragement from Barack Obama after she painted a portrait of the former US president, and why she was invited to Nelson Mandela's London Memorial. Enjoy the podcast. Leila Andrews, thanks for joining me in the studio. No worries, thanks for having me. That's all right. There's a lot to talk about, but why don't we start with your University of Brighton background, seeing as we are here at the University of Brighton. Okay. Um, You're coming back to the university to study an MA, aren't you, having graduated from your undergraduate degree early this year. Uh, Why are you coming back and what are you studying? So the plan is, as of yet, to come back um, to study. It's quite, quite a long title. It's um, globalisation, politics, conflict and human rights. Okay. And why that particular course? Why that particular course? I just think it sounds really, really interesting. And I, I like the idea, because I did history before, I like the idea of um, being able to kind of deal with more current conflict. Okay. And not that we, you know, we did do modern history, so we were looking at modern conflicts, but I mean, stuff that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So this um, course is supposed to be more topical, more yes, up to date. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, so I think that'll be quite a, quite a step up for me, but I'm, I think I, I, think I can do it. Up okay. the challenge. Yeah. Good. And why, why Brighton then? Why are you staying here? Is it because of the particular course or anything else? Um, I really love Brighton. I can see myself being here forever, really. Um, I like being by the sea. It's good for my brain. I think it's good for everyone's brain being by the sea. Um, yeah, and I really like the department. I love the way they teach. Okay. Um, so it just makes sense for me to stay here. And you received a first class honours in the summer, didn't you? Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Very and much. the history prize for highest grade. Yes. Nice one. Thanks. <laughs> I know it's only been a few months away, but yeah. um, what do you miss most about your time at the university and studying in general, I suppose? Studying in general. Um, I do miss kind of working my brain a lot. It was it was quite a hard course, um, um, and I'm a bit of a nerd, so I did study pretty hard. Um, but yeah, I do miss reading as much as I did. Um, I know I definitely can still be reading at home, but it's slightly different, I think. Mm. Sometimes it's good when you have like a time pressure, I think. Yeah. Um, get more done. Yeah. yeah. Is this always the plan then to go on to do an MA, or is it only kind of because you've missed that side of it? Um, no, I wasn't even going to go to university in the first really? place. Really? What, to do yeah. a BA? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was quite set against it for a few years. Um, because of art, I thought that I would just kind of carry on doing that. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad I did. Okay. Yeah, we should yeah. mention, well, I'm going to mention that later, but yeah. you are also a very talented artist. So why did you not study art? Why did I not study art? Um, well, I'd been painting and selling paintings and that has you know it's kind of been all I've known really uh, since I was about 14 um and so you know when it came to the time to choose a university I couldn't really justify spending that amount of money to to carry on what I've already been doing for such a long time Mm -hmm. um and so I and I've always I always knew that if I was to go on to to university it'd be to do history okay I just I always kind of knew that um yeah. Was that been your kind of first uh, specialist subject then all the way through high school and yeah, college? Yeah, I've always loved okay. history ever since I was tiny. I was, yeah. Okay. So I loved it. And we might talk about your dissertation in a minute, but yeah. was there, in your BA, was there a specific area or era that you kind of gravitated to 
um, as a kind of specialism, I suppose, later on in the course? Um, so we did we did modern um, history. So uh, you know we were looking at you know twentieth century stuff. Um, that's quite a tricky question because there are there are a lot of juicy wars during that time. <laughs> there are a lot of conflicts, so mm. we were spoilt for choice um, with things to study. But I did find it very interesting doing Northern Ireland, okay, because you know it's so close to home, mm. you know, quite literally. And um, we just, I just had very little knowledge about it, as embarrassing as that is. Mm. Um, I think you know that's often the case with you know just your average British person. Yeah, we're not you know we're really just not informed enough. Um, There's so. a bit of a divide between the UK and Northern Ireland in that yeah, sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so I found that really very interesting. Well, before we go on to the dissertation, then what advice okay. would you give an undergraduate student who has just started a degree in humanities, which I know is a bit general, or you could talk about your specifically yeah. to your course if you want to. Do your homework. Yeah, <laughs> definitely do your homework. Mm. I think you know it. It shouldn't be, but it is a real um, privilege to be able to come to university. It's an expensive thing, and a lot of people won't ever be in the position where they can. Mm. And it's, it's so if you can come to university, I think really try to make the most of it and just you know do your homework, turn up on time. That's you know, interesting because well, a lot of people say that you know, mature students sometimes say that um, they only appreciate the value of it now and didn't back when they were younger and when they started it. Yeah. I guess people talk about the regret about not having taken university seriously when they were younger, but that obviously wasn't the case with you. No, I think well, my sister and I were the first people in our family to ever go to university, and so we, I don't know, maybe our outlook is slightly different, but mm. um, I felt quite privileged to be able to come to university. Okay, let's talk about your dissertation, which was entitled, uh, if I'm not mistaken, The yeah. Myth of the Black Rapist, White Pathologies of Race and gender in James Baldwin's Going to Meet the Man. So obviously there is a literature angle to it Yes, as and well. James Baldwin's Going to Meet the Man. So it wasn't about that, but my third chapter did focus on fiction. Okay. Um, quite heavy. Mm. Can Pretty... you trace the root of your kind of interest in that, if that's the right word? Yeah, of course I can. It's broad and I did look at a lot. But I think if I really think back to kind of where my inspiration started, um, in 2015, Barack Obama... Um, delivered a speech um, to the NAACP and he he basically stated that, that the United States was home to 5% of the world's population but 25% of the world's prisoners and so you know that staggering figure started getting me interested in kind of mass incarceration and understanding like the prison industrial complex and this kind of the idea of criminality, um, and so from there, um, I then, you know, also it was combined with because of smartphones, kind of the growing media attention around like Black Lives Matter, mm. racial profiling, um, police brutality, which has become, you know, you know, circulating far more in conversation now. Um, these kind of you know these ideas combined were definitely my starting point. Um, I kind of then went into tracing like kind of racist configurations of manhood and black masculinity um, during and in the aftermath of slavery in order to kind of deconstruct the kind of the notion of black criminality and more specifically um, the notion that like black men harbour sexually violent predispositions um, 
And so it was it was a very heavy topic. I you know did a lot of work on mm. lynching as a way as a form of like terror and control and a way to terrorize and control black lives. Mm. Um as you can imagine it wasn't the easiest bedtime reads. Mm. Um and um yeah, it was a really really interesting topic to study. Yeah. Um but it was, you know, hardcore. Yeah. And um so yeah, the first um, aspect of my dissertation was kind of based on that and the the idea of black criminality and where it came from and how these racist ideas kind of um, manifested. Mm. Um, and then I read a fantastic piece of literature um, by James Baldwin called Going to Meet the Man. It's only about 14 pages long. It's a tiny short story, but if you can read it and you're in a good headspace, I definitely would. It's absolutely... I think it's phenomenal. I think it's absolutely fantastic. So I knew I really wanted to write about it. Um, I don't know whether to tell you a little bit about it or whether to just leave it at that in case it's a spoiler. Go for it if you want, though. Go for it. it, Well, yeah, if you can explain how it fits into the rest of the dissertation. So um, it was... It basically follows um, a protagonist called Jesse. He is a racist, kind of pathologically... pathologically racist individual. Um, And he's a sheriff... And he is in huge amounts of inner turmoil. He, you know, is awful to his wife, awful to everyone around him. Um, and what James Baldwin does is he flashes back to Jesse's first experience of a lynching when he's a child. So it's a really um, kind of visceral piece of writing, but it's so important because it helps you understand. It definitely doesn't justify, but it definitely does kind of contextualise and help you understand how, you know, racist individuals can become kind of acculturated into, in this case, racist kind of com- configurations of manhood and mm. how they learn these things. You don't just, not just born racist, um, mm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's a phenomenal piece of writing. And my last chapter was on that. And did that open up a new avenue then in the dissertation or did it fit quite well into what you had already, I guess? Yes, both? well, it did because the first... Um, so the the lynching he goes to is because someone has been accused of raping a white woman, like the kind of classic narrative. Mm. And um, the first chapter of my dissertation was deconstructing this myth of a black rapist um, because, you know, what, what is very obvious is the myth of a black rapist carries very little weight without a convincing binary. So I had to look into how whiteness was also being portrayed and constructed at that time as well. And um, and then the second chapter was on lynching. Um, and then so this so this piece of fiction is my third chapter. Um, kind of covered everything we'd seen. Um, okay. Yeah. Is it something you might like to carry on then into the MA, that kind of area? or? Yeah, well, I, I hope so, but this is the one thing where I don't know if literature, how well literature would fit, but mm. possibly. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And what was the main, I mean, can you pick one thing that was the biggest surprise for you or the kind of biggest revelation out of that? I know that might be tough going through the whole dissertation. Yeah, that's, that's quite hard. <laughs> was there anything that surprised you particularly about what you'd, what you'd researched and what you'd learned, I suppose? I think, not surprised me, but I think... With James Baldwin's writing, what he does, which is so fantastic, is he's able to combine scenes of absolute horror with scenes of like normality and almost um, kind of hospitality. It kind of really plays into this myth of Southern hospitality. And, well, not that it's a myth, you know, but it's definitely not universal truth. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I, I think 
I found that amazing how you can find, you know, they were there watching a lynching with their children, but everyone's brought food and there's a picnic and it's you know, these two hugely contrasting scenes to mm. try and normalise this kind of like dichotomy. And it's um, that I found just how he wrote it, I just think is phenomenal. Mm. Um, and it was really, um, yeah, just if you can read it, do. Yeah, yeah. I can really see how that helped contextualise the, the yeah. study as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Um, and um, this might be a bit early to ask, given that you haven't actually started the course yet. Yeah. But do you have any specific plans for life after your MA? I mean, would you want to go further in academia? Where do you kind of hope that will take you, if you've thought that far ahead? I'm not too sure yet. Um, I think, I don't know, it seems, it seems far away, but I'm, yeah. I, I will always be doing it alongside art, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'll probably take another little break and just dedicate a year or so to painting and producing a new collection and having some exhibitions so okay. that's probably that'll probably be the plan sure okay we'll get on to the art a bit later but um you've had some interesting ventures in recent years and you just got back from america yes didn't you where you were involved in two auctions raising money for the cheetah conservation fund yes um and that ties in with your work with wwf as yeah. well uh have you always been passionate about the protection and conservation of wildlife firstly yeah absolutely um big animal lover mm. <laughs> um but yeah i've just I've only been back about three weeks, but it, yeah, I spent some time out in America. I normally do that every year, um, and I, yeah, take some pieces out or send them over um, or paint out there, um, and we auction them off for, yeah, cheetah, we're raising money for Cheetah Conservation Fund, which is just the most fantastic charity ever, mm. I think. It's, um, it's a really amazing charity. It's based in Namibia, and what they do is um, it's run by a lady called Laurie Marker, who's fantastic and she is basically she basically went out i think in 1990 and wanted to try and kind of bridge the gap between kind of the human wildlife conflict so with regards to cheetahs a lot of them um are endangered because they are pests so for farmers that have livestock they just you know come and pinch the livestock so farmers end up shooting them or catching them and um so what this what this program does is they um, raise Anatolian shepherds um, to work, you know, with the farmers and with the locals. And so they are, they, you know, the cheetah comes along, they bark, they get scared, and then the cheetah runs off. Mm. And um, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic program. And mm. I love that she's working with people rather than just kind of coming in as a Westerner and being like, "This is wrong. This is right." You know, yeah. like a lot of charities do. Yes. <laughs> um, and what were the pieces that you auctioned for? For them, then, in particular. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I did some. I don't. I'm not actually an animal artist. I paint portraits, but um, mm. I did do some kind of animal sketches. And we had two um, auctions: one in Columbus, Ohio, and one in Oklahoma City, where, where I'd never been before. Ah, okay. Impressions yeah. of Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was. It was. It was a lot of cowboys, which was. Mm-hmm. which was nice. Or Stetsons. <laughs> and, um, you know, people... I had a really lovely time, actually. Okay. It was, um, yeah, it was good. And uh, you held an art exhibition at the headquarters of the WWF. Yeah, Martin a few saying. years ago. Yeah, and um, you represented them in Parliament as well, discussing the importance of a green Brexit yes. with MPs. Uh, how did that close connection with WWF come about in the first place? Oh, WWF, how did that happen? I held some art classes there, Um so people would come in and then, you know, I'd help them paint animals and things. Um, and then I ended up exhibiting some work there. 
Um, I'd been working with different animal charities beforehand, um, helping rhinos, I think mm. was my connection into WWF. And um, yeah, from from there, we um, we went to Parliament to try and chat, like kind of grab a cost MPs on their way in. Um, and what I don't, you know, we were hoping for a better kind of outcome, but you know. Yeah. How receptive were they then when you were approaching them? Well, it was one of those things where, you know, they were very understanding and they were interested, but in reality, I don't think we've seen the kind of outcome that you yeah. must want, unfortunately. But Does that frustrate you? Or it must do a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And also your involvement in the Choose Love Help Refugees campaign. What's your yes. involvement with that? So um, I've work- been working for Help Refugees for a few years now. Um, by producing artwork for them, which they would then auction, or recently they had, um, they flew it over to Ibiza where they, you know, would have these kind of big fundraising party things and mm. people would come, they'd buy the work, and then the money would go um, to refugees. So that so that was good. So I've been working with them, but just, just through art um, for a couple of years. But I'm actually... Um, they have this. They have a pop-up store every year in London, um, so I'm going to go and be the manager there oh, right. next week. Very good. Yeah, for okay. um, a month. So it's a fantastic store. If you can pop in, do it's basically a shop whereby rather than coming in and buying something for yourself, you can buy like sleeping bags and nappies and you know essential things mm. um, that go straight off to wherever they're needed um, okay. in Europe. Is that one of the first schemes? I can't recall too many other schemes of no, that kind, really. Yeah, they did yeah. it last year and it did fantastically well. Mm. And so I'm really excited to be part of it this year. I Great. think it's going to be really good. Okay, um, good luck. Thanks. What about kind of I mean, this idea of using your art then to raise awareness of social yeah. issues that are close to your heart? Has that always been kind of your approach? Or obviously the art came first, I suppose, when yeah. you were younger. Yeah. And then you became politicised in certain ways and that kind of came hand in hand, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, it It's... It's nice for me because I can kind of combine the two major interests in my life. You know, mm. if I get to work with an organisation that, you know, whose work I really admire and value, but and I can help too through art, then that's a bonus. And I do think that art can sometimes be a good way of getting a message across. You know, visuals can often be louder than someone mm. debating um, something on television, but... I think art is also good because I don't. First of all, I don't like the stigma around art. I don't like how it is quite elitist mm-hmm. and quite exclusive. I like the idea that um, it can be more accessible. So hopefully, it's kind of become going that way mm. a little bit. And um, when you're dealing with kind of everyday issues and combining it with art, it does make it, I think, a little bit more accessible to your everyday kind of person. Mm. And do you think artists have a responsibility in that sense, or would you not go that far? It's one of those big debates. We, yeah, <laughs> we used to debate that a lot at university, and I. Really? Um, but what side would you be on in that debate? I guess it's black and it's not black and white. It's obviously, really but... not black and white, no. but you know. It's a tough one because I think it's almost hard not to, you know, in a especially in like what's happening at the moment. Mm. It's hard to not let that influence your work or what you're doing. Mm. Um, but then, you know, obviously the other argument is sometimes we all need a break from that, and art should be a form of comfort and yeah. entertainment and pleasure rather than just you know another politicised thing. But I don't know if I. 
I've always been on the fence with that argument. Yeah. Well, there's a place for both, isn't there? There's a place for both. For escape yeah. and for yeah. a political approach. But I guess, yeah, you're right. You can't pretend to be completely switched off Far from the from outside it. world. And it's a privilege to be able to. Um, mm. And so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you also a selected artist alongside Grace and Perry for a Pride London Gala charity event. Yes. 2017. Uh, could you describe the piece that you had displayed for that event? Was it created specifically for Pride? or? Um, no, I had a couple of pieces. Um, so I had a couple of prints that were there that um, were auctioned. And I had a, strangely, um, black and white piece, which I don't really normally do. But it was um, of a man that I had made up. Um, I think we called him Andre in the end. Um, and it was just... Yeah, it was just a portrait. Okay. Um, it was mixed media. Um, so, yeah, they liked it. And when you say you made him up, is that often the case when you do your portraits? Yeah, or do you, it, it often is. is. It really? often is. Um, right. So it's hard. I'm, I don't think I'm very good at interview when it comes to art things because yeah. you know, half the time I'm just like, oh, I don't know, you made it up. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I, sometimes I just end up starting starting with like the eyes and then I don't really know where it's going to go. But Okay, so um, it's never particularly planned. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. It kind of depends on the mood. Okay, right. Um, yeah. We've got quite a distinctive style. I mean, you yes. call it expressionist and abstract on your website. Yeah. I'll put a link in the podcast description as well. Uh, <laughs> has that style developed naturally over a long period of time? Because if you looked at it now, you would say that you do have a very distinctive eye for it. But I wonder how long that's been in gestation for. It's Again, this is another one of those questions that I've been asked quite a lot, where every time I think people are disappointed with my answer. <laughs> but it... I, I don't really know. I mm. just started painting like that when I was 13. My art teachers didn't really like it because I used to paint with my hands. Um, and, you know, use a paintbrush kind of thing. How did you paint with your hands? Just cover them in paint and... Just, yeah. Just... That's not very good for radio, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just smudge it around. Um, right. Yeah, I used to paint with my hands. Okay. And I used a lot of, um, lots of colours that weren't necessarily there. And I just found it much easier to paint that way. I'm right. not really sure why. It, if I could go back and ask, you know, thirteen-year-old me why mm-hmm. that was the case, but it just was. Um, and yeah, I think over the years it has become more abstract, but never because, or you know, if my style has changed a little bit over the years, it's never because I've gone to change it. It's yeah. kind of um, quite organically, just or accidentally, I think is better, better word. Um, just yeah. kind of happened. So there have been occasions where I would have done a portrait in kind of my original, more expressionist style and then didn't really like the look of it. So had a funny five minutes and kind of, you know, changed it around a bit. And then I quite liked how it looked, even mm. though it was abstract. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Not okay. Good answer. <laughs> You've moved on to more orthodox materials now, though. You're not still painting by hand. No, I, uh, okay. some, I dabble. OK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> brushes and I do find it easy to paint with my hands. So. OK. Um, and what's your kind of maybe artist listening might like to know what your kind of artist space is. Do you have a certain space or routine or? Um, no. So currently I am painting where I sleep, which, as you can imagine, mm. is not great ventilation. Um, a little bit smelly. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't recommend painting where you sleep. But sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. So yeah. I'm currently in between deciding where I'm going to live and things. So yeah. it, I'm just kind of painting where I can. Um, but. Yeah, so that's okay. kind of current situation. Smell of drying paint, lulling yeah, you to sleep. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of your encounters with the great and the good okay. through your art, or just the great, really. Um, perhaps you could start by explaining why you're invited to Nelson Mandela's London Memorial. 
Ah, <laughs> well, that's quite a good story. Um, so, I did a very big um, portrait of Nelson Mandela um, years ago, and we were speaking to the South African embassy that decided they really liked it and they wanted it. Um, and the idea was that when you know Nelson Mandela wasn't very well, and on his final trip to the UK, they would present him with this really big painting. Um, and, you know, that was the kind of plan. Mm. Spran in the works, he passed away before this happened. Mm. And so um, they ended up auctioning it off for his children's charity and were working with the South African government, which was really cool. And as a thank you, they invited me to his memorial service, wow. which was amazing, as you can imagine. I definitely felt a little bit like an imposter. Um, yeah. But it was, yeah, just very surreal experience yeah indeed and i've stood in line to like go in next to desmond tutu like really (laughs) any chat with with desmond i didn't chat with desmond Ah. he was very um he was very very smiley he gave me a good smile so you know that that was good enough for me but he was busy and important and chatting to people of course okay Uh, and you also received a letter of congratulations and encouragement from barack obama after you painted a portrait of him how did that happen and what did it mean to you to have that personal correspondence from him that was, um, again, another very surreal moment. Mm. I wasn't expecting to hear... I was, wasn't expecting that at all, obviously. Um, yeah, it was a really, really nice letter as well. It wasn't mm. just like a, you know, like the painting kind of thing. <laughs> keep you it know, up. Yeah, keep, keep up the good work. It was a really personalised letter, and it was... I just thought it was fantastic that he would have the time to write to someone that isn't even from his own country. Mm. So the letter from Barack Obama uh, reads... Dear Layla, as an admirer of art in all its forms, I wanted to send a quick note to congratulate you on your artwork. He goes on to say, uh, if you have faith in yourself and hold on to the courage and resolve that have brought you this far, I'm confident you can reach your goals. Thank you again for thinking of me. I am inspired by the strength and resilience that comes across in stories like yours, and I wish you all the best. Why did you paint Obama then, of all people? Oh, why did I paint Obama? Because he's got a lovely face. And... (laughs) I've always really, really liked the Obama administration. Okay. Um, so sometimes you do paint political role models or yes, people like I do. that. Okay. Saying that, you know, when Mr. Trump um, first announced that he was running for office, I thought the whole thing was a joke. And obviously, he also has a very interesting face, mm. as you can imagine. Lots of fun to paint. Yes. Um, and so it was all kind of, you know, a bit of a joke still. So I did do this huge a little bit grotesque painting of him <laughs> and um and then all of a sudden it wasn't so funny anymore and um and here we are today yeah but, the meaning of that painting kind of shifted a bit for yeah you a after bit. a while i was like oh gosh yeah you know. um but someone strangely bought it which i thought was mad really who would want like a five-foot painting of donald trump in that house but wow. there's a market for everything apparently who did buy it do you have any information on the kind of people that buy your uh, yes i do painting? he um he came in and he said, you know, this is a second Donald Trump painting I've bought this week. Right. And I thought, oh, gosh, <laughs> alarm bells. <laughs> um, but he, I think he just thought the whole thing was slightly amusing. Okay. Um, so he bought it. And, I mean, I wasn't complaining because, you know, it was gone. I didn't have to look at it anymore. Yeah. But at the same time, I was a little bit worried. Yeah. It was definitely, like, not a flattering um, painting. So I don't think he was buying it because he was a fat. Mm. Yeah. Quite a niche market, isn't Quite it? Quite a niche Donald market, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I can't imagine what his house looks like. No. 
Um, and uh, speaking of kind of role models, then, are there any other role models that stand out for you artistically, politically? And actually, this comes. Maybe we should answer that question later when we come to the fancy dinner party. Okay. Yeah. You, good if idea. You're actually up for asking, answering sure. that one. Um, do you want to turn to some lifestyle questions? Yeah, we can try. I don't think I'll be very good at these. Okay. But let's give it a go. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, as we said, these aren't the kind of questions that you might mull over in the general course of a day. But yes, um, you maybe touched on this a little bit already. But what advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? And what were you doing at the age of 16? Were you college? Uh, or? Uh, 16. Yeah, I would have been in college. Um, Oh, I don't really feel like much has changed since then. I'm still painting <laughs> constantly and reading constantly. And also, uh, we should probably state that most of the guests on this podcast are like significantly older. Yes, yeah, so yeah, exactly. So when you asked that, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. No. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I was, you know, advice. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. I always said, but I think I said this at the time as well. So it's not necessarily advice for me, but maybe someone else that was painting. Um, like if you paint what you like and you like what you paint, then I think you're kind of doing okay. okay because you know art can be quite savage mm-hmm. it's subject it's subjective so people a lot of the time don't like your work and you know that's just the way it goes um mm. how have you found that kind of competitive landscape then if you managed to navigate it okay yeah or, well all that's the thing so the way that i've managed to navigate it without taking it as like a huge personal insight every time everyone's like oh <laughs> um <laughs> is to just make sure that i really like it i mean if okay. this is the painting that i would like to have in my house then I don't really care if they don't like it. That's true. Um, so okay. it's quite a good way of kind of, I think, protecting yourself a little bit because people can be um, quite mean. Is this a kind of options or, yeah, generally? Yeah all, yeah, all sorts of things, you know. Um, sometimes when I've had exhibitions, people have come in and actively kind of, you know, found me in the gallery to let me know that they really don't like this painting. Wow, a lot of effort <laughs> to whatever. go through, isn't it? Yeah, and I just kind of think, oh, yeah. fair enough, different folks, different strokes, I guess. But, um, <laughs> I you know what can you say to that? But I think, mm. yeah. So if you if you paint something that you really like, yeah, or that you would want yourself, then it doesn't really matter. Okay. I think it kind of helps a little bit. And you think you built up a, a thick skin because yeah. of some of that. But I don't know if that's advice I'd give to sixteen-year-old me. I think that, I think I was kind of doing that then. Yeah. Which was probably a good thing. Okay. Um, what's your favourite place in Sussex? Ooh. Is it rubbish to say Brighton? No, you can say Brighton as a whole. Brighton as a whole. Um, I really like Kemp Town. Okay. I really Did like you... the beach at Kemp Town. Not the nudist beach necessarily, but you know that that end of the beach. Yeah, um, yeah I, I love it there. I spent a lot of time there. Okay. I used to live in Kemp Town. Um, okay, so you lived there when you were studying here, obviously. Yeah, so I've yeah. lived in Hanover and in Kemp Town. Okay. And it's really nice being by the sea. Yeah. Really nice being by the sea. For sure. Um, and what is your perfect weekend? That is a kind of Sunday Times column question, isn't it? But yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, that's, this is something that I'll probably go away and think about and think, oh, yeah, I should have said that. <laughs> well, some, you know, sometimes people say their average weekend. Like they'd mm. say, I'd like to go for a... Which is fine, but they say I'd like to go for a walk okay. with my family and then have a drink with my friends, which is, which is okay, but that's not really perfect. That's kind of average, isn't it, average. mostly? But you can say whatever you want, obviously. <laughs> okay, I think... A good weekend for me, which I think is more of an average weekend, would be definitely drinking some beers. Okay. That would be a good place to start. Yeah. Um, Any particular place? Nope. <laughs> Not choosing. <laughs> Ooh. Um, no, a Kemp Town spot, perhaps? Oh, that's a tough one. There's a lot of good pubs there. Mm, There's variety. a lot of good pubs there. Maybe just, why don't we say, do kind of the rounds in Kemp okay. Town. Okay. Um, and... 
it's nice to be by the beach on a Sunday. Nearly every Sunday, I will go to a car boot. Okay. Um, I have done ever since I was tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it quite cathartic. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why do you find them cathartic? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I go into like a safe space and I'm at a car boot. <laughs> um, That's cool. And um, so yeah, car boot on a Sunday. Beers the other days. <laughs> Some painting would be nice as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe painting. For me, rather than because I have to, yes. Rather than there being a deadline or something, that's quite different. And sometimes painting can be very stressful, so it's quite nice to just be like, "What do I want to paint?" Yeah. Um, oh, so you probably cover that. You do take commissions as well. I do take commissions, yes. Okay. Which is, um, you know, I'm very grateful to be able to do what I do. But every now and then, when someone's like, you know, "Paint my baby's face," I'm like, "I don't want to paint your baby's face." Um, <laughs> is that an actual request that you've had? I have, and I have said no. Really? Yeah. So I've, what's I've, the limit? What, what would you refuse to paint? Baby's faces, apart from that. Yeah, there are just some things where I think you're you're kind of forcing a, something that I know I won't produce very well. Right, okay. Um, and so, you know, sometimes people ask me to paint things and I'll just have to be like, no, <laughs> sorry. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very, you know, it's nice that I'm in a position to be able to do that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, great. And what are you currently reading, watching or listening to? You can have one of those, all of those, up to you. Okay, let's do all of those. All right. Um... Reading, I am reading a book, but I'm only about two chapters in, so it's early days. Um, it's called Graceland, um, and I've forgotten the author's name, which is embarrassing. Um, well, but it's basically, it yeah, look it up. It's called Graceland. It's um, set in Nigeria. It's about a um, little boy called, well, not that little, I think he's about 15, um, boy called Elvis, um, who, so far, this is all I know. He is trying to earn money by doing Elvis impersonations. Right. Okay. Um, so this is all I know so far. But it's, okay. It's, it's intriguing it's, start. It's a good book. Yeah, yeah. Um, what am I watching? I don't watch... I've never really watched TV. I don't know why. Mm. It's a bit strange, but I just never have. Um, I watch quite a lot of films. Okay. And um, I watched a film last week called American Sun. Um okay which was absolutely fantastic. If you can watch it, you should. It's only got four actors in, and it's set in one room, the oh, entire film. Sounds a bit more kind of theatrical. Than yeah, film. yeah. It, um, but it's really, really good. It's um, set in a police um, office. Office? That's what I mean. Okay. Um, and, yeah, it's really, really good. Okay. Good tips. And listening? And listening. Um... You tend to listen to music while you paint? Yes. You do? Sometimes podcasts. Okay. Really? You can podcast and can you listen to that while you're working as well? Yeah. Mm. And chat. Wow. That's impressive. It's quite nice. I'm quite a social painter. Like I have um, often if people come and chat, sit with me for a couple of hours and chat. Mm. Um, that's quite nice. Okay. I would have thought that would be distracting, but yeah. fair play. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm, what am I listening to? Um, Django Reinhardt I've just got into. Okay. My... Um, I recently went to visit my friend down in Devon and she um, introduced me to him. Okay. And yeah, very good on the ears. Excellent. And the <laughs> last one, who are your three dream dinner party guests? This can be fictional, alive, not living okay. anymore, whatever whatever you want really. Okay, well this is a tricky question because it's whether you we mean who are three people you'd like to meet. Yeah, it's a bit whether... misleading, exactly. 
we want to have a good dinner party. Yes. I mean, what are these people going to bring to the table? Quite literally. And, and their egos might clash and <laughs> yes, things. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, so you have yeah. to think about the dynamic. Um, yeah. I think I would probably have Obama there. Yeah, yeah. He seems like quite good crack, and I think he would um, make a nice toast. You reckon? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, it's quite a tricky one, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is a bit. Who would you have? I'd have. I think I actually did this when I started the university for a different feature that we had. I, I think for my three staples, I always have Leonard Cohen, Virginia Woolf. Oh, Virginia Woolf would be good. And but would she be fun? No, not really. No. But I don't really mind that because I like to hear her talk about literature and okay, yeah. philosophy and life. But then maybe she wouldn't... That's the thing, like, if... She, they're probably quite insular people, a lot of artists yeah. and writers, so would they even talk at all much? Probably yeah. not. I don't know. Eat their food and leave. <laughs> <laughs> Politely leave. I can't remember who the third one was. Um, I had to go for Lou Reed a few times, but he'd be a nightmare, I think. Yeah, I think Lou Reed would be quite crazy. Yeah. So I've got two, but I don't know if that helps at all. I think mine are a bit cheesy. I think, I, I mean, if we're doing it purely on are you going to have a good evening, I think Dolly Parton would be interesting to have. Yeah, that's true. Um, potentially. Uh, maybe Elvis. I think okay. that's maybe a bit of a cliche. I think it's probably because I just like his face a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have this iconic face sitting yeah. at the dinner table. Um, whether he's, you know, lots of fun, who knows? Mm, depends what era you get him in, I suppose. Well, exactly. I think it would have to be early-ish days. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a fun dinner party to me. Yeah, not too bad. And they could have a sing-song at the end. Yeah, ex- yes, entertainment. Yes. This is, that is a good idea. <laughs> yes, okay, I think I definitely would stick with Dolly and Elvis then because, you know dinner and a show exactly <laughs> they provide their own entertainment yeah exactly alright thanks very nice. much Layla thank you cheers thanks to Layla for her time and see you next Friday for another University of Brighton podcast you can find all of our podcasts by searching for University of Brighton on Spotify Apple and many more podcast apps see you next time <laughs>